Coming up on today's show. The Super Bowl matchup is set. Andy Reid versus Kyle Shanahan. Drink. We'll see you in South Beach. Plus, Joe is in Mexico, Garrett to NYC, and Philip Rivers is leaving state income tax behind forever. All this and much, much more coming up on another award-winning episode of The Tomahawk Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Tomahawk Show. I am Andrew Hawkins, your weekly co-host. You hear me every time we do an episode because it's my show. I'm the Hawk portion. Joined by my friend Joe Thomas, one of the best football players in the history of the sport. Joe is currently in Mexico. Joe, are you okay? Uh, there is a rumor that I have been kidnapped. Okay. A la NFD, a la Fat Nat. Mm. Uh, so... There's a, there's a good chance that I've been kidnapped, but the good news is they left me enough Corona light to survive for at least two months. Okay. So I've made sure to at least knock off a few of those, and hopefully you'll be able to come down here and rescue me ASAP before the Super Bowl because there are so many Cleveland Browns that are going to be competing in the Super Bowl that oh. I have got to go see it in person. <laughs> You're right, and it's really nice of your kidnappers to let you podcast or give you still a cell phone to use um, because typically they don't do that. So if you want to interact with the show, hit us up on social media, (laughs) at Tomahawk Show, on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram. Hit our Facebook group, Tomahawk, or call our voicemail line, 440-628-1376. It is Conference Championship Sunday, so we are recapping all those games today. Mm -hmm. Check us out on YouTube at Uninterrupted's YouTube page. Yeah, we're going to get right into this, man. There's only two games that we're on today. We are recording right after the Packers and San Fran game, so we have not heard Richard Sherman talk any shit if he has. He hasn't co- not come <laughs> to the podium yet, and we know it's coming. I have, I'm have. i I'm excited for it, but we are recording this podcast pre those headlines. Speaking of headlines, let's get right into it, Joe. Time of headlines. Drop it. This is a special report from... All right, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Tennessee Titans, as we predicted here on the Tomahawk Show. Joe, did anything from this game stand out to you? I will say that the only thing that stood out to me is exactly what we predicted last week. What did we say, right? If the Tennessee Titans are going to win this football game, it's got to be on the back of that offensive line and Derrick Henry. And Ryan Tannehill needs to throw for about 74 yards on seven attempts. And that's how they win the football game. They need to play small ball. They need to squeeze the football. They need to keep the possessions low. That's how you win the game. As soon as Ryan Tannehill's throwing for 150, 250 yards, it's over. They got no chance, and that's exactly what happened. You can't win like that. Ryan Tannehill's played like a pretty good quarterback. you got to give him the credit. He's done a nice job down the stretch. But the best thing that the Titans have done, especially in this playoff run, is play great defense run the football, keep the ball out of Ryan Tannehill's hands, and more importantly, keep the football out of the other team's hands. Unfortunately, when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs and you've got a generational talent like Patrick Mahomes, you can't give him the football because he's going to go down and score. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter how much they're behind. He's going to get the ball, and he's going to do magic things, and that's exactly what we saw here today. Yeah, man. I mean, they even started the game really well. They were eating up clock. They were running the football like we've seen them do so many times throughout this playoffs, but we just knew the Chiefs' offense was too good, and it was more that today. You talked about Patrick Mahomes. He just did his usual thing. 
um, predicted here first on the Tomahawk Show by Cliff Kingsbury that Patrick Mahomes would be the highest paid NFL football player ever when it's all said and done before he had even taken a snap. So if you're a Tomahawkian, you knew this information way early. My question for you, Joe, is this. Is Patrick Mahomes now QB1 in the NFL? Well, I'm not ready to go out on that limb and say he is absolutely the number one quarterback in the NFL. Certainly he's playing like it right now, but Mm -hmm. when I talk about the greatest quarterback in the NFL, I want a little bit longer of a shelf life where you can look back and you say, you know what, for the last five years, he's played lights out and he's only been in the league a few years. So he hasn't really done anything to say he's not QB number one, but just the fact that he's only been around for a few years says that, you know what, there's other guys out there right now that have more of a track record that have been doing it for a longer period of time that you've got to give them the credit because I say it all the time, but the number one disease in the NFL is that we remember what happened last week the most. And we put the most stock into how well you were in the last game, how well you played in the last game. And yes, Patrick Mahomes is playing unbelievable football. He's got incredible weapons. He's got Andy Reid, who right now is the best played developer in the NFL. But you got to still, when you got to still step back and say, okay, he's playing great football. He's unbelievable. But there are other guys that might be more deserving because they've got a longer track record. Yeah, I, I, and I understand that. I just think like physically, and we talked about Russell Wilson last week, and I'm still a big fan of Russ, and I think he actually is, for me, QB1 in this league. Um, I had Mahomes, I think, three behind Aaron Rodgers, and I think he leapfrogged him today for me. Just because, I mean, with everything on the line, and we've seen him in these big moments. We've seen him last year in the AFC Championship, and they lost to the – uh, Patriots, but it wasn't. He did everything he was supposed to do. Like when he had to go down there and score late in the game, he did that. Today, you could just watch the game, even when they were down, and you just knew it didn't matter. He was going to be able to take them down and score at will whenever he wanted to or whenever he needed to, which for me is what I'm most excited to see in the Super Bowl when the stakes are the highest. What do you do? Because if he wins that game, um, and and he comes away with like a similar feel that we've seen in all the other games where he just takes them over, a lot of people are going to be having that conversation. Um, I'm sad about this, Joe. Travis Kelsey, who has joined us on our Super Bowl Tomahawk set for two years in a row now since we've been doing it, won't be there for us this year because he'll be playing in the Super Bowl. So, you know, he's always been a highlight. That that sucks. But maybe we can get the Kelsey family style – parade speeches that become so famous in the Kelsey family. I was going to say, you know, uh, the Tomahawk Super Bowl shows, they were kind of what launched the podcast. They were pretty much the most popular shows that we did every year. We always stole the show on Radio Row. We're definitely going to do that again this year, as I think we've teased it a little bit. Uh, There's been a lot of networks that put in some million-dollar bids to be able to have us for a couple days. Mm -hmm. NFL Network, it seems like they're probably going to steal us for a couple days. So we're going to be on the NFL Network set doing our thing. Uh, Probably not going to get Travis Kelsey. But you know what? They they still do a lot of TV. They do a lot of radio during the week of the Super Bowl. They might not be as accessible as we're used to. However, I still have a feeling we're going to be able to get our man Travis because – he is the number one Tomaflock member. I know there's a lot of guys out there that want to say that they're number one on the Tomaflock, but <laughs> honestly, Travis listens every single week. He's an enormous fan, 
I got to believe that he's going to find time, even in a busy Super Bowl prep week, to be able to come out and talk to us. I couldn't agree more, man. Um, what does this mean, this loss, mean for Mike Vrabel's penis, Joe? Dilly Whacker, wee wee. Well, it's very happy right now. It's definitely standing at attention. The Dilly Whacker is standing at attention. Yeah, it's happy. Uh, I'm not sure if his wife is happy about that or <laughs> sad about that, but I got to think that he is feeling extremely fired up that he gets to keep his weenie for at least <laughs> one more season. He doesn't have to cut it off yes. in order to get that. Uh, coveted Super Bowl ring that he already has multiple of. So go figure. But uh, Mike Frable's wee wee is safe for one more season. Thank goodness, because that's all we were worried about here in the Tomahawk Show. Is this finally Andy Reid's moment, Joe? Is, is Andy Reid finally going to get his Super Bowl win and join the ranks of the Sean Paytons, the Bill Belichicks, and all these great recent coaches <laughs> who have won for a consistent well, amount of time, but he doesn't have a ring? Well, let me break it down for you. This is the first time that I can remember since I got in the NFL in 2007 where I was watching AFC, NFC championship games, and I didn't have a hardcore cheering interest because I liked all four of those teams. There's a ton of connections between you and I and all the guys that are playing this weekend. Uh-huh. And for me, like if Andy Reid wins, I'm so happy for him because – as we talked about on the last episode, he's in both of our top fives. He's one of the best coaches in NFL history. He just needs to be able to get through and win that Super Bowl, and then he's going to be able to cement himself truly as potentially a Hall of Fame coach. And the fact that he's going to be able to get there and has a great opportunity with a great team and a young Patrick Mahomes, who's also kind of setting his course for greatness right now as quarterback, yep. is really exciting. But at the same time, like both both you and I have big histories with a lot of the guys in the Titans, a lot of uh, the coaches, Mike Vrabel. Both you and I have played against him or played with him. Um, so we had obviously, if he would have been there, we'd had a huge cheering interest there. But yep. uh, as you know, Mike Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, drink drink. Uh, we were big fans of that whole family tree, and of course Matt Lafleur. I was the first guy in the national media to say that Matt Lafleur would be a great fit for the Packers. Uh, he's from the Kyle Shanahan drink scheme as yep. well. So, uh, really, the Tomahawk Show could not have been wrong, whoever won this weekend. And so it was really fun for me to watch and just cheer whoever the victor was. And in both of those games, by the fourth quarter, by the middle of the fourth quarter, it was pretty clear who was going to win. So it felt pretty good as I was sucking down my uh, 35th Corona light of the day right. in Mexico on the beach. I could cheer happily and not have any stress whatsoever down the stretch. <laughs> well, it's perfect because uh, if you were playing the Tomahawk drinking game today and you watched the NFC Championship game, and if you're playing now, you better go get a refill because you're about to get hammered. Uh, the 49ers beat the Packers. They went up 27 <laughs> nothing at halftime. Kyle Shanahan drinks offense was rolling, running literally down the throats of the Green Bay Packers. They end up winning that game. 34 to 20, Joe. Am I, am I wrong? 37 to 20, I believe, is the final. We're checking with the researchers. I've already started the Tomahawk drinking game, if you couldn't tell. Uh, yes, indeed, 37 to 20. The, the 49ers <laughs> won. Joe, you predicted the Packers were win. You were wrong. Um, but you're never wrong because you're connected to me, and I'm always right. What <laughs> was your biggest takeaway of this football game? Well, it was just surprising that Mike Pettin's Green Bay Packers defense 
didn't have a better plan to be able to stop the running game. We, we kind of thought that being that Mike Patton was the head coach in Cleveland when we were there and Kyle Shanahan was offensive coordinator, we thought that Mike would have a little bit of a better plan to be able to shut down the running game. Like, the passing game is what it is. When you have a quarterback that's precise and is able to throw the ball in tight windows, like, whatever your scheme is on defense, it can be a little bit difficult to shut something like that down. But from a running game standpoint, like, scheme is huge on defense to be able to stop that. And I really definitely thought that Mike Patton was going to be able to come up with something that would be creative to at least force the 49ers to throw the football more and kind of get out a lot of their running game schemes. But because the score got a little bit sideways early on, Patton and his Green Bay Packers defense was behind. The 49ers were able to kind of open up their playbook and run everything they had from a running game scheme standpoint. And good old Raheem Mostert, former <laughs> Cleveland Brown. Uh, did you play with him? I actually don't remember. But I, yes, I do remember playing with him myself. Went absolutely bananas and i'm not i'm this is not trying to be disparaging at all to raheem but he's not one of the top five running backs in the nfl but it just proves that the great scheme that kyle shanahan drink puts together and (laughs) the way that he coordinates the receivers the tight ends the line the running back and even the quarterback where everybody buys into what they're trying to run and everybody buys into the details of each single play is what means the difference between maybe a zero-yard run and a five- or six-yard run. Yep. And if you're able to keep calling those plays over and over again because they're successful, it just turns into an absolute shit show when you're on defense and you're giving up 200, 220 yards rushing because you can't stop them. You don't know what you're trying to do. You're trying to widen your guys on the front. You're trying to blitz guys. But everything you do, it's like you're a step late. Right. As soon as the offense runs a play, as soon as Kyle Shanahan is successful drink. in a play, you try to move your defense, drink. You try to move your defense <laughs> to be able to stop them. But they've already gone to the counter to that counter. And so it's like whenever you you try to widen your guys out, you try to move them, you try to adjust. They've already adjusted and run the counter to be able to take advantage of the adjustment that you made. So you got to say, Kyle Shanahan, drink. What an unbelievably savvy, incredibly foresighted game plan that he put together in that running scheme to be able to allow the 49ers to absolutely run Green Bay Packers out of their stadium. So a couple things. Uh, number one, the Browns should have just given ev- over like all the reins to Kyle Shanahan after the 2014 season. They should have just <laughs> said, you're the head coach, you're the GM, and just take it. And if they would have asked the players, everybody would have said, yep, we're good with that. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah, seven and nine is, does not exactly give the confidence that an owner needs to just blow everything up and give the reins to the offensive coordinator. <laughs> but I will say a lot of the changes that were made late in the season were not Kyle's, and they all went catastrophically wrong, which is what was I'm no, sure no. was a part of the 138-page PowerPoint or whatever it was that he presented <laughs> to the coaching staff. Um, regardless of that, though, I got to give a shout out to Mike McDaniel because we were the first people literally in the country talking about Mike McDaniel as the next great coordinator. And for the run game coordinator, there's not a place where that matters more than the San Francisco 49ers and the display that they put on today. That's number one. Number two, there is only two teams in the NFL that whose running scheme in every play takes all 11 guys on the field are participating, and that is the 49ers 
and the Tennessee Titans. And that's the reason why they're doing so well. The Titans, because they know Derrick Henry can take it 80 yards at six foot four, 250 pounds. And so they're always ready for the big play. For the 49ers, it's because just as much as they work on their routes and their timing there, they devote just as much time, energy, and teaching in the run game and how the receivers are, are supposed to block, which angle, which guy, what's the timing, because they craft every single run for touchdowns. That's what makes the difference of a great running game and just a good running game. Well, that's the difference, and I've played in nine offensive schemes. I had nine offensive coordinators in 11 years. Mm-hmm. And the difference between schemes and why we always talked about Kyle Shanahan and his yeah. scheme being so fantastic and how it's different, Drink, is because it meshes perfectly with his passing game. The run matches perfectly with the play action, mm-hmm. matches perfectly with the drop back. Everything works together. It's not just random plays that are coming together on your call sheet and it's like, okay, we're in the shotgun. It's going to be a pass. We're under center. It's going to be some basic inside run. Like Everything looks the same from the start of the play until the ball gets either handed off or it gets thrown. And that's what makes it so difficult on the defense. And that's why when things get bullying, that's when they're at their best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember playing against the Houston Texans in, I don't know, maybe the middle of my career. I can't remember exactly that time, but um, we got behind and Gary Kubiak was running that offense and our defense was getting absolutely gashed one play after the next because every play started out looking exactly the same. And once you get behind on it as a defense, you're just like mindlessly looking at your gap and trying to follow your discipline and your rules and as you're sprinting to the sideline trying to read what your offensive lineman is doing you have a a running back running past you 20 yards down the field and then the very next play you're sprinting to the sideline trying to read whatever your key is and all of a sudden the quarterback pulls the football and he stands back there and he's throwing a lockdown route 35 yards down the field to the running back Hmm. or he's throwing a takeoff route and it's a 50-yard touchdown pass like all those routes all those plays, they look the same because they match perfectly from the start to the finish. And that's not something that you can say about most NFL plays. Most NFL schemes that you talk about from an offensive coordinator standpoint, it starts out and from the very beginning, once the ball is snapped, even before the ball is snapped, from the pre-snap read, you know it's either going to be a pass or it's going to be a run. And so as a defensive player, you can kind of cut half about the things that you are expecting right off the bat based on the formation, based on the motion, based on the shift, and if the quarterback's in gun or if he's under center. And you can never do that in Kyle Shanahan drink offense. Right, right. No, exactly. And you know what? I I knew Shanahan was going to kick Petten's ass. Let's just call it what it is. Um, And why he did it in the first first game as well is because – I remember we would, play, we would practice against the defense, and it was a weird, and, and we've actually talked about this before. It was weird as an offense going against our defense in that season because, and the other seasons that Petten was there because their defense, they would game plan the offense for practice. So we weren't worried about, like, especially in camp in the offseason. It wasn't, it didn't seem like as much building towards when the season came around. They would script the practice to beat just the offense. So they weren't working on opponents and what they're using a season. They were game planning our specific offense, right? Which, which didn't make sense because you know what we're running, essentially. And I remember Shanahan and the offensive coaches would say, 
if we played them in a game, we would kick their ass. But the difference is we're getting ready for the season. We're not getting ready for tomorrow's practice because we don't play our defense. He would, they would say it all the time because it would piss them off because they would, we would throw interceptions or get stuffed. And the defense at practice would celebrate like we won a game. And the offense is like, dude, we're trying – like you're not helping the team. That You're not helping our offense get better. You're, why are you celebrating? You just won practice. Like that's not going to help us. So now fast forward to now where Shanahan knows that defense, again, almost as well as the guys calling the defense – they knew exactly how to game plan a Mike Pettin defense. And there was probably a lot of pent-up aggression from those days where they would celebrate in their face at practice in front of fans in camp for kick it, trying to kick their ass in times when it didn't matter. I got to be honest. I got to ask you this. Uh, were you the one that found that amazing video of Mike Pettin and Kyle Shanahan on the sidelines? <laughs> when they were both giving each other the stink eye when they were on the same staff? Because... I don't know if the Tomahawk retweeted it at Tomahawk Show on Twitter or uh, what, but I looked at that video and it made me laugh so much because I remember (laughs) those guys, they got along pretty well, but there were times, especially in training camp, when we were trying to get ready for the season and the defense was trying to win the practice where we would get so frustrated as an offense and Kyle Shanahan drink would get so upset because he was like, I just need you guys to act honest. Yeah. Because we're trying to get this look that we're trying to work on this concept. And because you guys are so focused on winning the practice and you've gone ahead and looked at their script and exactly. come up with the perfect defense and the corner blitz that blows up this outside zone. <laughs> like, yeah, we get it. If you know we're running, you you're going to really be able to defense. call the perfect defense <laughs> and it's going to blow it up. But if you don't know what we're running, like, we just need an honest look from the defense. Like, that's what we want in order to improve, in order to get better. And we didn't always get that. And so I feel like there was definitely some pent up anger, like you just said, with Kyle going against Patton's defense. Absolutely, man. I, those practices would be so frustrating because you're right. They would see the script and call, like, corner blitzes in play, like, in reverses. We'd have a reverse run in the script, and all of a sudden, oh, you picked the perfect play to run a quarter blitz and a safety, an all-out pressure <laughs> on a reverse. Like, genius. I wonder how you scripted that. Ridiculous. All right, well, uh, is this it for the for the Packers? Are, are they going to get another chance to get to the Super Bowl, or is, the, or is that window closing? Aaron Rodgers is 36. You know, the, some of that old line is going to start becoming up for free agency, and I don't know. You tell me, Joe. You're the Wisconsin expert. Yeah. Make sure that John, the great producer of the Tom Hawk Show, cuts this one up because I'm making a bold prediction right Uh-oh. now that the Packers have a three-year window. I'm saying that until Aaron Rodgers turns 40, they've got a great opportunity where Aaron Rodgers is still in his prime to be able to get that Super Bowl, get a couple Super Bowls maybe in there. And I think Matt LaFleur being the great coach, great offensive coordinator that he is already, he's got an opportunity to improve because he is young. This is his first year as a head coach. He's got a lot of things that he can learn from from this season, and he's only going to get better moving forward. Mm. The relationship and the partnership between him and Aaron Rodgers is only going to get better. So I think that the next three years is when the Packers are going to be their most dangerous. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're here a few more times and if they get a couple Super Bowl berths in the next three years. All right, well, let's get right to Super Bowl predictions, man. Who do you got? You, you got an early prediction. You can change it. We have two weeks until the big game, so feel free to backpedal anytime before the snap. Hell, backpedal after the game. You know we don't care. 
So we got the Chiefs <laughs> versus the 49ers. Who are you picking? Who does your gut tell you is going to come away the winners of Super Bowl 54 in South Beach? Oh, man, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Right? This is a week I'm here in Mexico. I've got all the kids, right? It's a little stressful when you got all these little kids around yeah. the pool. And, you know, after Just the kids go to bed, you got to crush like, a case of Corona lights and stuff. Yeah. You know, to kind of ease the stress, ease the <laughs> tension. But next week, I am so excited. Like, the, the Super Bowl in Miami is honestly the best possible matchup that I could possibly predict. Uh-huh. 49ers, Chiefs. Two teams that I love, two teams that have all sorts of connections between you and I. I'm actually going to the game. This will be my first Super Bowl in my entire life that I'm going to be sitting in the seats. I'm going to be watching the game. I've got a ton of friends. Both you and I are making the big time. We've gotten hired by our NFL Network employees, Mm -hmm. uh, employers. They're taking (laughs) us there, man. We're going to be working the whole week. We're going to be doing Tomahawk Show from Radio Row on NFL Network. It's unbelievable. I mean, truly, when I think about, like, the pinnacle of my career, it's going to be this year in Miami. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, I love it. We're going to get exclusive access to all the coaches and players. So you're not... You're not ready to make a prediction yet. I'm ready to make a prediction, and I'm just building it up. Okay, this is a fucking long build-up. We have exclusive access to all the players on both teams, all the coaches with our history with all those guys. We've got the old Andy Reid, the guy that loves fast food Fridays, versus the young, the skinny Kyle Shanahan. The man hasn't (laughs) eaten a fat he hasn't eaten a protein in nearly his entire life. He survives on nothing but asparagus and Brussels sprouts <laughs> and maybe a salad with a light ranch dressing occasionally. This is the ultimate contrast in the <laughs> offense that just wants to throw the football, that wants to do Star Wars passing concepts versus Kyle Shanahan's. All I want to do is run the football. It's unbelievable. It's so exciting. And I'm going to be sitting there in the seats, and I'm going to watch the Kansas City Chiefs win. 35 to 31 in one of the most epic Super Bowls of mm. all time. I wow. cannot wait. It is so exciting right now. I want to fly back from Mexico today after I finish another couple Corona lights <laughs> and to be able to start sitting there next to my man Hawk mm. enjoying the buildup to the great game. I love it. So what we're going to do on the Tomahawk Twitter, we're going to tweet out all the members of all the former Browns players who are playing in the Super Bowl in this game. It's become kind of a ritual that we always talk about. We're going to make it official on social media, get some cheap retweets, and uh, anger a lot of people. (laughs) So you got the Chiefs winning. All right, so you got Patrick Mahomes walking away with his first Super Bowl win. Andy Reid, first Super Bowl win. Travis Kelsey is now going to be not only the best tight end in NFL history, a Super Bowl winner joining the Tomahawk Show. All right, I like it. I like that prediction. I'm not ready to make my prediction yet. I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off, Joe, because it's our show. We do what we want. This winter, start a new routine to upgrade your everyday life with a monthly box of awesome from Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post sends Hawk and I only the best stuff every month. So whether you're looking to commemorate an occasion with a champagne saber or toast perfectly aged winter cocktails, Box of Awesome has got you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. In my first box, I got the Forge Knife because it is absolutely amazing. And who doesn't love an amazing knife? 
It's Damascus steel. It's beautiful, it's tough, and it's sharp as hell. In my first box, I got the Weekender bag because, as you know, I travel constantly. It was one of their most popular items, and I needed something that was durable and stylish and great for all the trips that I'm making for business and pleasure. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code Tomahawk at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code Tomahawk with a TH for 20% off your first box. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The good news? With today's advancements in science, Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss. Keeps has revolutionized the way men are treated for hair loss. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get medication delivered to your home. No more waiting rooms and no more pharmacy checkout lines. Get the attention and service you need all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Keeps treatments are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. So act fast. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. And nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatment starts at just $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps.com slash Tomahawk to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's Keeps.com slash Tomahawk. We're going to let you get back to your vacation and your drooling kids who are peeing and throwing up on stuff. But before that, (laughs) I'm going to force you to do Am I Tripping? Tripping. genius if we if we do the drop he can't but, leave oh my god it's a it's by a per- the way <laughs> can i just say that our amazing emmy award-winning oscar-winning sound guy chris yeah has put together the greatest drop in the history of podcasts with that mi tripping oh yeah i have never been in a bad mood or the wrong place after i hear that mi tripping drop yeah. i always am happy i mean let's be honest you drink a case of Cruise Light or <laughs> yeah. Corona Light, whatever the, whatever this thing is, you're going to be happy no matter what. But that put me in the right spot. I, put I'm you in the right spot. Really good right now. All right, the, the the Tomahawk drinking game is definitely affecting Joe, so we better hurry up, John. What's the first one? Three quick ones. First one: <laughs> Philip Rivers told Adam Schefter that he sold his house in San Diego and moved to Florida. Rivers told Schefter in a text, "Quote: What this means, football-wise, is to be determined." But it was time for us to move back closer to home. Rivers from North Carolina. Guys, am I tripping? Or has Phillip Rivers played his last game as a Charger? I'll go first. Yes, he's played his last game as a Charger. And he's clearly setting up to be the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's why he moved to Florida. Boom. Problem. Case (laughs) solved. You heard it here first on the Tomahawk Show. Joe, what do you got? This is the easiest am I tripping question of all time because... Phil Rivers didn't even sell his house when the team moved from San Diego to L.A. He bought like a half a million dollar bus, fitted it out with a sound system, a TV that's bigger than anything I have in my house. Not the Hawks' house because no. his house is worth like a hundred million dollars over there in the Hollywood Hills. But that's a guest house. He 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 sold his house 
right now, when he didn't sell it when they moved from San Diego to L.A., this is easy. It's over. There's no way you move 45 children from California to Florida unless <laughs> yeah. you're completely done with everything that's going on in L.A. He's done in L.A. They're going to find Tom Brady. He's going to be the quarterback of the L.A. Chargers. That is so true. You can true. count on that. A-S-A-P. It is the worst. I have three kids, and it is hell flying with them. He has nine. Unless oh he God. never wants them to ever come see him ever again. There's no way. he's a tra- That's such a good point, Joe. You, you know how much it costs to fly with nine kids plus you and your wife? That's 11 You can't even buy tickets. a regular... That's the entire right, first class. Let's be honest. Okay. You have to get the first so, class so in every commercial flight. Money to fly private. <laughs> you think he? You think he flies private? Philip Rivers is richer than even Andrew Hawkins. Oh wow! He's got funny. enough money. He does not see the inside of an airport. He flies private. But even flying private, you can't buy a regular medium jet. You're not flying in the regular Hawker jet right. with nine kids. You got to go with like the Donald Trump Air Force One. Yeah. Like, you can't. There's not a lot of jets that have 11 or 12 seats in them. So even if he was trying to fly private as cheap as possible, he's going to have to go with like the largest size Andrew Hawkins jet. That's going to be like 250,000 bucks to fly from Florida (laughs) to California. That ain't happening, man. He is done as LA Chargers. And I don't think he's that rich. Let me, let me put that out there. He's made a lot of money, (laughs) but him making a lot of money and Tom Brady making a lot of money are different. Tom Brady has two children. He has nine kids. That automatically cuts your net worth divided by nine. So that's not like he's making a working salary, paying for nine people to live for 18 years and then plus. He's not cutting them off at 18, Joe. Tom Brady also has two salaries. And we're not talking about two teacher salaries here making 35 grand a year. (laughs) We're talking about Giselle Bunchen making 35 million a year. Giselle has absolutely dwarfed Tom Brady's earnings for the last 15 years since they've been married and made it at least double whatever he's made because he's always taken a discount. But even his discount is like 15, 20 million a year where she's making 35, 40 million a year. So their combined net worth is over 500 million. So they ain't flying anywhere commercial for absolutely sure. But uh, Philip Rivers, if he flies those nine kids, I still think he's flying private, but you're not flying a regular private jet with 47 children. Yeah, they must not fly a lot. My mistake, guys. Phil Rivers is actually from Alabama. He went to school in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, you think he starts for the Jags next year? I was thinking Panthers. Joe, do you have a prediction for where Phil Rivers might end up next year? To me, it makes more sense that he would end up in the Jaguars because Doug Marone is still the coach there. He's a guy that's going to be ultra desperate to like get somebody in there who can win. That's kind of been the Jaguars' mantra. I know they just fired Tom Coughlin, but they're going to be still looking for a quarterback that can come in and help them kind of succeed immediately because they don't have an opportunity to bring in a young guy and and bring him along and have a few bad seasons. Whereas Matt Rule in Carolina, he's got time, right? I feel like they're going to draft a quarterback and try to develop a young guy because they got plenty of time on that staff. They don't have to win right now. He's got a long-term coaching deal. He doesn't need to bring in anybody and he's got no pressure to win right now. So 
I definitely think they go rookie, whereas Jacksonville goes Phillip Rivers. They go old. They go win now. Jason Garrett has been hired as the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. Oh. As a lifelong Giants fan, I find this upsetting. Am I tripping, or is Jason Garrett to the New York Giants <laughs> a terrible hire? I, I'm a little bit surprised, Ben. I know that uh, Hawk is a big fan of Coach Judge over there. I know mm-hmm. he went from the uh, the TV uh, court circuit right to the uh, NFL game, and so it's a big jump there. That's Judge but, Joe Brown, um, Joe. But continue. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm confused, but you know what? It, it, it does surprise me that you'd hire Jason Garrett because he hasn't exactly had the most revolutionary or cutting-edge offense, and really NFL offenses have changed a ton in the last five years, and and it's it's fair to wonder, like, maybe Jason Garrett has the cutting-edge offense that you need in uh, New York for Daniel Jones. But all we know about Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator is what we remember from when he had Tony Romo in Dallas. Yeah. And those were some good times, but the NFL has just changed so much that it definitely makes me concerned. If I was a Giants fan, first of all, you hire a head coach that maybe isn't all that popular, isn't all that well-known, isn't all that well respected because he hasn't had the pelts on the wall that a lot of other guys have had. And then you go and hire an offensive coordinator who's known for clapping and who's known for the things that he did producing pretty relatively okay, above average, slightly Tony Romo offenses. It makes me a little concerned because when I'm looking at Daniel Jones, I'm looking at, okay, this guy is one of the quarterbacks of the future. I know he's more of a passing guy, but he can still run the football. So maybe let's bring in some more of these cutting edge, new age offenses. And you bring in Jason Garrett. Eh, not sure. I love it. Mm, yeah, I'm with you on that, man. I don't. I don't know about this. I don't. I don't get the hire. I don't. Maybe it was an availability thing. It was late in the game, and I'm surprised even from Jason Garrett's perspective. Like, why jump right back into the game? Take a year off, man. I mean, you've been the, yeah. the Cowboys head coach for 10 years. Your pockets are stupid fat. Take some time. Spend with the family. Find a job next year. I don't think this, you know, this goes bad. This might be the end. You know, I don't know. Pro Football Focus said that the Cowboys have the number four offense in the league this year. Dak Press got through for 4,900 yards and 30 touchdowns. And I just still am not sold at all on anyone that worked on that staff. Yeah, they were pretty stacked offensively. You got to feel feel like Dak is a pretty good player, but you never felt like we were getting the most out of the Cowboys' offense. You felt like they were nope. underachieving, and that's been kind of the thing since the beginning. Maybe it's just because the Cowboys and we have high expectations, but yeah, it seemed like his offenses weren't reaching their potential. But even still, Jason Garrett was not the offensive coordinator. It was Kellen Moore, and yeah. Mike McCarthy took over in Dallas. He thought enough of the things that Kellen Moore did with their offense that he kept them around. So it's fair to wonder, like, what of the the things that we saw from Dallas that were successful this year were even Jason Garrett's brainchild. Yeah. All we know about Jason Garrett is, like, little quick little smoke screens and short passes from Tony Romo. So it's fair to wonder, like, there's a lot of unknowns when you hire a coach like that to be your offense coordinator who hasn't been in that role for a long time. Last one, guys. Six years ago, Richard Sherman graced us all with this amazing piece of audio. L-O-B. Am I tripping? Or is Richard Sherman's rant following the 2014 NFC title game? Is this the best trash talk moment in sports history? Hawk? Uh, yes, it is the best moment because 
it pissed so many people off. And even, again, looking at all the things that we talk about in sports and that what's big deal and what's not, people got so mad at that. For what? Because a guy thought he was the best and voiced it. And then if you look, again, I'm and I'm a big Richard Sherman fan because anybody who has the balls to come out and say they're the best and put that target on their back and back it up deserves all the credit and all the successes they get because very rarely does it happen. I'm talking, and I, will, I could say a lot of names right now of people who run their mouth and act like they're the best and act like their shit don't stink. And when they put that target on there, People, people come and see about you. They want to see if you're really what you say you are. That's, a, that's the best moment for me. Richard Sherman has played in 14 postseason games, has allowed zero touchdowns, and has four interceptions. That's a resume. And only because of what he said back then does that make it the best trash talk ever because of what he's done after that. I, I got to be honest. It's hard for me to remember another rant that was even close because it was just such a high-profile moment. It was in such a big game. And he backed it up. Like, you can think of other rants that potentially were were on that same level as far as boisterous, but nobody has been able to back it up consistently the way Richard Sherman has. And for that, you got to give him the credit as the best rant of all time. Got to love it, man. All right, well, that's done for Am I Trippin'. Before we wrap, let's get an update on the Tomahawk Show Picks Contest. John, what are we looking at right now? Ooh, let's not do that. I, I don't like that. <laughs> no, 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 you, you sit here and hear your record, and you like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll start with you guys. Hawk is now 7 for 10. Whoop, whoop. He is in second place, mm. tied for second with a bunch of us. And Joe is four for ten. Little, a very slick bunch of us thrown in there, as you can see. <laughs> uh, I actually have six for ten. I'm, I'm tied for third. Uh, Saul, Posty Malone, also seven for ten. There are four people who went eight for ten. Kelly Strange, Wesley James, Corey Easterday, and Brian Lynch. The four of them will be competing for the Tomahawk Prize Pack Grand wow. Prize after the Super Bowl. Wow, that's nice, man. Corey Easterday. All right, I see you, Corey, doing your thing. Tomahawk VIP. Yeah, Tomahawk VIP member there. Joe, how do you feel about your record? We're not going to talk about my record right now. The only thing that I want to talk about. On a scale about, from, from four for ten, how do you feel about your record? <laughs> <laughs> I feel a solid four right now. I'm All right, good. Uh, what I would really like to talk about right now is the greatest Oscar-winning performance that I've ever seen in my entire life, Hawk. I want to know. Give me all the ins and outs of that insane pregame walk-up that you put together with all the different types of players and what they dress like going into football games. You know what? I'm glad you like it, Joe. Anytime you like what I put out, I know it's really good. Um, but, yeah, so I did the for, – for one of my NFL Twitter shows – I did a, a sketch of the different kind of NFL players walking into a stadium, and basically, it was like a key and peel sketch. <laughs> well, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to get a, a a reel together for to join SNL one day, and I'm just slowly just building my resume oh. up. But in that, I was just trying to think of all the different players. So even when I was recording, I went in with like eight guys, and as I was sitting there, I would think of other teammates, and I'm like, oh, I didn't cover this guy, oh, I didn't cover that guy, <laughs> like I didn't have a suit. And a suit guy, and I'm like, I got to make that funny. How can I do it? Oh, the guy thinks he's too important. And then I made sure I covered, <laughs> you know, I, I thought of like the Joel Batonios. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got to get the guy that doesn't have a stylus because Joel doesn't have a stylus. You know, Joe's, Joel doesn't give a shit about that. He's like, I'm coming to play football, bro. You know? 
So yeah, I thought about all the teammates but, and but like that guy was everyone. too well dressed. Yeah, that guy was too well dressed. You needed to go with like me, who showed up with uh, sweatpants and the free T-shirt the Browns handed out that says like Brown Strength and Conditioning. Then you would have nailed it. That was the only miss that was of only that miss. whole skit. Which but one was other your favorite? That, it was amazing. What was your favorite of this of the skit? Uh, Travis Kelsey was <laughs> definitely in my top two, but I also like the guys that dress up in different costumes just for attention. <laughs> I was like, why are you dressing up in a costume going to the game? I know the Texans. I think their linebackers or their D line. I can't remember exactly who they did that for a while, and I was like, why are you guys dressing up? Like, yeah. It's getting your attention, and I'm interested. There's no doubt. There's entertaining <laughs> value for sure. But at the same point, it's like when you're going to a football game, don't you want the attention to be what you're doing on a football game rather That's than, it. oh, you dressed up like Power Rangers, and that was interesting, <laughs> but you got your ass kicked? Like, that's a bad combo. Exactly. You spent way too much time thinking about that and not enough time in the game. Any time you devoted to that was time wasted. My favorite personal one was uh, the guy that tries to walk in with the star quarterback. That was pretty good because that's so true. Every team's got that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that was you for a while. That was so. me. So that that, that was my. That was me <laughs> in the sketch. Everyone had a moment. Like that was my guy. Yeah. I love the Russell. I love the Russell Wilson after. Where did you find that, that wig? <laughs> it's weird. I have like ten wigs in my house just for like random things. And I'll, I'll find like a wig. And I'm like that'd be funny to use one day. I got like a gray hair wig, an Afro wig, a dreads wig. It's just weird. So I had it on deck for the Russell. All of that stuff was That's at my house. Good. All the all the props were already yeah. at my house, which is just weird. You know, the, the the funny thing is I have a pair of those same Fulu shorts that you did during that <laughs> skit. Uh, when I was when I was twelve, I was on a uh, AAU basketball team in Milwaukee, and I was one of only two white guys on the team. And uh, you know, when you're twelve, you don't know any different. You're just like. You just uh, assimilate to whatever culture or whatever you're like your around the most. Is, right. so, yeah, whatever your environment is. And uh, I we went to Tennessee for the AU Basketball National Championship. And uh, we went to the store and I was like, you know, not even knowing what I don't know. And I, I bought like an, uh, a Yankees uh, baseball jersey and FUBU, pant, FUBU shorts. Uh-huh. And that's what I wore like the whole week because I was just trying like – unknowingly trying to assimilate to all the people that were around me. And uh, I wish I would have been with you Hawks and you could have told me like, that's cultural appropriation (laughs) and you should not be doing that. I don't care if you're 12 years old, but apparently that's not cultural uh, appropriation. Apparently you still, you still have your FUBU shorts yeah. like me, and you're able to wear them for your skits. So exactly. I wish I would still have my shorts. Well, fashion repeats itself, so eventually we're going to go back to the baggy cargo shorts. <laughs> and when it happens, I'm going to be the first one with because I still have it from the previous regime. Um, that's not cultural appropriation. You were very much oh. allowed to wear FUBU shorts. Actually, it was oh, encouraged. Really? Yeah, I mean, that's, oh, really? that's a good thing. It was just the name. Whenever, they wanted everybody to buy their shit. Trust me, nobody, anybody who's selling something doesn't have a specific person they want to buy. That's, the, that's just yeah. good old capitalism. Just, All right? Just ask Michael Jordan. Remember <laughs> exactly. the, the, the famous quote about the Nikes? Republicans buy sneakers too. Wear Nikes too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, that does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. We are off next week because Joe will be still drunk from the Tomahawk drinking game in Mexico. We'll be back the following week. <laughs> Three episodes for Super Bowl. Gear up because we're going to have more guests than you can imagine. It's going to be incredible. And you might just be able to catch Tomahawk on your television screen. 
Joe, final thoughts, brother. What are they? Dude, final thoughts. I don't even know what to say other than like the excitement around the Super Bowl. I can't remember the last Super Bowl I was this excited because there's always a little bit of fear that the Patriots are going to win another Super Bowl and ruin your fucking Sundays. <laughs> and that's what happened last year. And I'm so happy that I don't have to watch Bill and Tom and those Patriots on this Boys Sunday. So I want to be sitting in my seats in Hard Rock Stadium. I think that's the name of it. And I'm going to be able to watch Kyle Shanahan drink and drink. myself drink and my wife drink and everybody that I love, all these former Cleveland Browns out there running around working as I watch and somebody's going to win a Super Bowl and it's going to be a glorious week. I cannot wait. All right, man. I, I feel like I have to go, especially since, you know, Kyle, Mike, Kawan, Mostert, um, Cam Irving, Mitchell Schwartz and all the other Browns are going to be there. You're right. Our friends are there. I'll think about it. All right, that does it for this episode. Take us out with a Joe Hawk yourself, Joe, a Mexico style. Actually, don't give us a Mexico style. I don't want to offend anybody. Just give us the good old-fashioned Joe Hawk yourself. Jose Hockey Solamente. That is, I don't know what that is. Joe Hawk yourself or whatever that was. (laughs) 